Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Scout's Eye on football. I am Chris Landry, taking you through the world of football. Got a few things we want to get to today, but as always, we want to welcome your participation. Um... Come join us inside the chat room uh, and let us know uh, what's on your mind, that you're out there listening, and uh, certainly send any questions your way. Um, we've got a few things we're going to get to. Some of the latest college football news and notes. I uh, want to get into a little bit. So we've got some questions that were sent in, I guess, for folks that are not able to join us in the chat room. We'll talk a little bit about Georgia and if we have time. Florida, a little bit, some of the details of the team and kind of where things are uh, with those programs. Uh, we've got the Georgia and Florida previews up on LandryFootball.com now. We're going to get into, got a question about offensive schemes in the NFL, what people do. We're going to take some time and eventually go through team by team the offensive and defensive schemes um, that each team runs. i uh, got a question about Chip Kelly out at UCLA. So we've got a lot of things to uh, get you up to date on that we're going to talk about. Uh, a reminder that if you've not che- yet checked us out at LandryFootball.com, please do so today. Um, take advantage of the scouting season offer. We've got the detailed breakdowns. As right now, from here on out, we're going to be doing a few things. Obviously, all the news and notes from the camps that are going on in the NFL. In the college side, it's all of the information related to um, uh, 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 recruiting, uh, any offseason news transfer information. So we've got that. And then, then it's about previews. It's the breakdowns. I've been telling you for a while that, you know, once I put the draft to bed, it's, it's a kind of a reset focusing towards next year. It is looking at the film, gathering the information, providing a lot of nuggets, a lot of detailed previews. For example, if you want to go ahead and take a look at the Ole Miss preview, which I put up yesterday, uh, the Missouri preview, you get the updated off-season news and notes as they happen in chronological order from most recent to all the way back to, say, January or February, a projected depth chart, an overview of the team, a detailed analysis of the offense, including the top players on offense, Defense, same thing. Uh, special teams, same thing. Who was the highest graded players on the roster last year? Offense, defense, and special teams. And where were the cutoff point with starter grades? It gives you a good idea. The incoming freshman class. 
how that's looked um, with uh, with the players coming in, an overview. And then you want to see about the draft prospect checklist for the class of 22, the class of 23, class of 24. We've got that for you, too, because obviously we don't know who's going to declare and who declares early. Um, going to depend on how well they play. So technically right now, Matt Corral is in the class of 2023, not in the class of 2022. He can opt to be in the class of 2022 if he chooses to. Right now, we're going to keep it where it is. So it gives you a little bit of a feel all the way through class of 2024. And then we kind of take you into a final analysis. A um, little bit about how a team, the team ranks overall in the national um, uh, concept. Key players to the season, some interesting stats, some overview, um, schedule analysis. So we're going to do that. Obviously, we're going get, to uh, get all the teams done for you so that you can get the most detailed preview and analysis, updated information over at LandryFootball.com. But check it out. We're going to be doing the same thing, obviously, on the NFL side as well. Um, one of the things that uh, we'll talk about news and notes wise with regards to uh, the latest, um, give you this through on the college side, a lot of transfer information. And if you look in the Tuesday notebook, uh, we've got a lot of recruiting information. We've got the, the Ohio State corner commit, uh, the Singletary kid is going to take some other visits. I will tell you a little bit about. Uh, Damon Wilson, the defensive end that uh, Alabama and Florida June visits that are scheduled. We've got some commitments from um, uh, probably the, the best receiver in the class, the Oklahoma kid. Tell you a little bit about him. We've we'll, uh, got a couple of kids in the transfer portal at Mississippi State, one at Mississippi State, one at, um, at Ole Miss, one at Tennessee. Um, we've got uh, a very impressive looking uh, linebacker uh, that Georgia has offered uh, from the class of 23, 23. We got that. And then, you know, even if, again, you're following this, uh, some recruiting nuggets from Boston College, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Iowa, Northwestern, Miami of Ohio getting a, a third, uh, a three-star kit. Um, Texas getting a big-time um, commitment from a, from a kicker. And um, Southern Miss getting a three-star offensive guard that's a really good player. Um, but the biggest news of the day, the kind of the headliner of Tuesday's um, notebook was Mikel Williams, the five-star defensive lineman that has uh, decided to go. Um, a Columbus, Georgia kid going to Los Angeles, play for USC. Um, it's a it's a news story. It's a man bites dog story because what we've seen over the previous years is kids coming from LA to go to Clemson to go to come east you can only if you're not staying out west not staying in California you're going east I get it um, but you know what I mean going cross country to play with one of the quote unquote powers well USC is a traditional power I have seen and We've documented on LandryFootball.com, and we're going to get into more when we break down the USC program in the preview, that, that USC is making progress on the recruiting trail. Now, can Clay Helton sustain it? Can he continue to uplift it? Can they augment that with 
performance on the field, coaching on the field. R real question marks here, legitimate question marks there. But we're talking about one of the best defensive linemen in the country, and we'll see that if it holds up. That's the one thing about today. Hey, it's news today. Columbus, Georgia, elite prospect, Mikel Williams, committed to USC. Big story. Let's see if it holds up. I'm not saying that I'm questioning the commitment. I don't know the kid. I haven't talked to the kid or his family. I'm just saying that we'll see how well this plays out going forward, meaning a lot of, a lot of time between now and the uh, December. Um, in fact, UCLA's got a kid, good-looking, big, not as highly rated receiver. That's a top 100 player uh, in the state of California that was committed. He's reopened his commitment there. So we're going to give you updates. We've got some Pitt, some Duke um, recruiting information as well. Um, a lot of question marks as I go through the previews, team by team, school by school. Lots talked about, this is George's year. If not this year, it'll never happen. Well, first of all, that's that's never true. I mean, it is, you can look back and say, well, they didn't get it done that year and it never happened. There's always circumstances. It's, you know, I can tell you that there have been times, sometimes many times, where your best team doesn't win at all, and then maybe some other teams that are good but not maybe great, um, maybe take that next step. You know, we've seen it. We saw it with like a Tennessee, for example. Um, you go a little further with T. Martin than Paige Manning. It wasn't that they were better. It was maybe as a team, they were a little bit more balanced. And, you know, everything's relative to who you play. And I think people will look at this Georgia team is loaded. Maybe they found some answers on defense, on offense. Still got a very good defense. In the, the East, let's call the SEC East what it is. It's pretty weak. At the bottom, you've got a rebuild at Vanderbilt. You've got a rebuild at South Carolina. You've got a rebuild at Tennessee. Those programs are bad. Okay, those, those are, you know, any way they could hope to try to get bowl eligible, that's what they are. That's the best they can be. Um, and so it really comes down to the tier after Georgia is, well, you know, I think Florida is a legitimate contender. I don't think they're, I know they're not as talented as Georgia. People think that Florida is much better coached. I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I think that, that Dan Mullen's done a really good job. But, but I think you have to call into question how Florida ended up the season. Um, and it's not just the bowl game in which they kind of gave up and, you know, criticized for it. Well, what about the preparation or lack thereof in the LSU game? Where, where that was clearly a game that Florida should have won. That showed up a lack of discipline and organization that I thought put a black eye on on um, on Florida, and, and I think that until Florida is able to consistently beat Georgia, consistently win the East, I, I you know I think right now it's Georgia, and then I think there's a little drop off. Then there's Florida, and I think there's a little drop off, and then.
for this year, I think that the teams that are the fight for the third spot be Kentucky and Missouri. A little bit different teams. Kentucky a little better line of scrimmage team, running game, defense. Missouri is a little bit more explosive. Billy make plays on the field. Let's take a look at Georgia, though, as they're the clear favorite. And, okay, let's, well, they don't win it this year, they'll never win it. Well, no, look, look the, to me, and in the coaching business, the football business, the people that can do it successfully, consistently, and I think in any business, personal, consistency is the key. The people that can do it consistently are the ones you respect the most. The ones that are flashing a pan and are not consistent, to me, it's less impressive. Um, any analogy, what you're doing, I mean, if you're playing golf, if you're in sales, whatever, consistency. George has been consistent. George has been a program that, you know, like maybe in Ohio State, like in Oklahoma, really, really good. Recruit very well. They, despite what people think, they're very well coached. I think Georgia has, you know, for example, Oklahoma, people love offense. So people don't really care or respect the defensive stuff as much. So there's a perception that, well, Oklahoma's really well coached because they're good on offense. But they're not very well coached on defense. And I think that shows up. And, and I think how, when I say not well coached, I, I think they've had good coordinators there. I just don't think they put the emphasis on the defense. Well, Georgia's been the same way, but on the offense. We'll see what Georgia can do this year with JT Daniels, unleashing Todd Munkin. I think they've got good weapons. It, it could be Georgia's year. I, what I'm saying is it's not a, well, if it doesn't happen this year, it ain't going to happen type thing. And I don't buy that. I think that's, that's, that's nonsense. I think they'll consistently be in a position with Kirby. And the other thing I've always said, too, is that there's no patience, and I get it. But Georgia is always seemingly, except for one time with Jim Donnan, is always hired assistant coaches. And if you're a first-time head coach, um, never been a head coach, there's a learning period. And I think Kirby's learning. Now, that's you go and you think, well, he got all the way to the championship game and he couldn't get it done. He's not a good coach. He's not a good game day. Can't do this. I think there's some of that that's valid. That's a little bit of a learned discipline. You know, it would have been, from a developmental standpoint, better to have gone to another school and developed and, you know, have a little bit more experience. You go to Georgia, you're like in the hot spotlight on the stove immediately. It's a, it's difficult. It's challenging. Um, they've added, obviously, a number of guys there. Gilbert and Darian Kendrick, the main ones. Um, uh, Tyke Smith from West Virginia. So they've certainly helped themselves in a spot that's a need spot. Um, 
they have even upgraded their facilities. Recruiting's on a continued high, high level. And so let's kind of take a look at a little bit of um, where this, you know, this team may be. And we appreciate uh, Blake joining us. Good morning, Blake. And hope I uh, appreciate all of you joining us in the stream. Hope you can join us here. Um, you can take a look at the depth chart. And right now, I, they would play Eric Gilbert at the X receiver position. And the tight end position, Darnell Washington's a really good player. So I think you'll see a lot of those those looks. What would be maybe a, um, a certainly a big receiver look. Um, but I think they're going to look a little different this year. They've been good. Can they be championship good? Can they show some signs of next level good, being elite, um, you know, the whole way of return seven of the 11 starters on offense. That's great. Um, they're retooling at corner on defense and special teams. They're very, very talented. You know, I think a couple of things jump out at me. One, I think there is an understanding by Kirby that he has to do some things that are a little bit more aggressive and a little bit more out of his comfort zone offensively. It's the second year for Todd Monken. And their stability at quarterback where last year, when that was going to be a year where they might be able to do some things different, um, the whole Jamie Newman situation did work. And by the way, if you haven't seen it, Jamie Newman's already been released. The NFL. Something going on there with that young man that's probably led to a lot of things that some of what we may know some maybe we don't know um but with daniels being in the system for a while and having to spend time and being able to spend time with todd munkin this gives them some opportunities um if you study the tape which i have they got the offense in the last four games. They got some big play opportunities downfield, but brought some balance. Um, I mean, they had just like four games, I think, with 300-yard passing performances, chunk-yard plays consistently prior to last year. You know, how they do it, how they work it. Will they run some spread and run the football out of the spread where you can lighten up the box? And they certainly have with Samir White and James Cook and Kenny McIntosh and Kendall Milton. Um, Going to be real interesting to see. Kind of a four guys that can line up and run it. Or, or, you know, do they go a lot of power and run play action where they get one-on-one -on -one opportunities for tight end down the seam, the receivers? I think they have real opportunities to be successful. Now, the bad news is, George Pickens suffering the torn ACL is a big-time talent. And, you know, now we don't know what the expectations are going to be for him being able to come back. There's going to be a lot of speculation, but we just don't know. Um, Kyrus Jackson um, is a dynamic playmaker. Uh, Burton is a, um, is a talented guy. Arian Smith is really versatile and the tight ends we talked about the Washington and Gilbert which really Gilbert is again more receiver uh, the offensive line is going to be a strength it's got three starters but a lot of talent coming back 
Um, the issue is going to be, can their offense match what Florida and Alabama can bring to the table in a given game? If you look at it overall, I think that Georgia, everyone will just throw in, oh, they got all these five stars, but they don't do anything with it. The reality is, is they're really, really talented, but Alabama has been balanced. Maybe a little bit more better offensively than defensively. Florida's been better offensively and defensively under Dan, but we've seen that kind of sway a little one way or the other. Georgia's been more by defense, running game. I don't know that you're going to see their style change, like dramatically and all of a sudden look different. What I think they want to do is they want to blend in the, the line of scrimmage play, the run game, the strong defense, with more uh, deep shots, more opportunities to work the passing game, to have enough balance, because they're going to need that in a conference championship game, a national playoff game, which I think they're a national caliber playoff team. But if they're going to get there, they're going to have to be more than we're going to run it and we're going to beat you at 17-13. They're going to have to do more. So it's a little bit of, okay, let's see if they look like they're going to do that. We'll see where it goes. Um, you know, so I think there's some, I think Jermaine Burton's going to be pivotal. Karis Jackson's going to be pivotal in their ability to step up. Of course, JT. And, but I think they're really good. I think Sailor's a really good offensive lineman. Um and, and so I think it's going to be real interesting. The front seven on defense is really good. Um, return lots of experience. And good morning, Rich Coach. We'll get to question in a second. Appreciate you guys joining us. Um, they got a lot of experience, like the nose tackle, Jordan Davis. The big athletic, uh, Jalen Porter is a rising star. I think Adam Anderson is a really good pass rusher. Um weapon for Dan Lanning, um, and, and Nolan Smith is a young guy, remember the name, uh, they're going to miss Monty Rice, um, at inside backer, but N'Kobe Dean, really good, along with Quay Walker and Channing Tindall, I do like the safeties, uh, Smith and, um, and the Lewis kid, Lewis Cini are really talented, you know, the experience at corner. They're going to have to win up front. Uh, Keely Ringo is back from a shoulder injury. He's going to have to to grow up quick. Jalen Kimber is coming off a good spring. Amir Speed is really good. The Nylon Green kid, the true freshman, is really good. Um, Darian Kendrick is going to add to the mix. That's probably as big of a, of a transfer, if not bigger, than Eric Gilbert. And then, you know, you got a guy that can be really effective at Nico and Tyke Smith. So blending that secondary together quickly uh, is going to be key. The defense last year was outstanding except for two games that it had to have. Alabama scored 41 points. Florida scored 44 points. And that was it. Couldn't match points with those teams. And defensively, they couldn't hold up against their offense. So can Georgia match up and perhaps slow down a Florida and potentially an Alabama? Are those offenses, if those schools going to be as good as they were last year? Probably just a little notch below, but 
with Georgia is going to have to help their defense out more than it has in the past. And that's going to be the key. I think they will. Um, I thought the pass rush was the best in the SEC last year. But they lose a couple of key guys. They need to be the best uh, in the SEC again this year, in my mind. Uh, and I think they can they can get there. Um, I think they need to be more effective in the red zone, which I think you know, allows them, um, you, you know, down the stretch they gave up some long drives defensively, and that hurt them. Um, and, and they weren't as good inside the, the 20 as they needed to be. So the, the red zone offense and defense is going to be pivotal. Um, I think it was just one drive they held inside the 20 without points. That's that's not good enough. Um, these 21 out of 22, at least somebody getting a field goal is not what you want. So uh, check out the, the um, top-graded players on the team remaining. Um, the top graded players last year, and um, and and who's coming back? The incoming recruiting class. We talked a little bit about Darian Kendrick as a transfer, Eric Gilbert, but the um, the ranking second best class behind a all world Alabama class. Um, elite group prospect. Check out the the draft choices um, prospects in the class of 2022, 20, 23, 24 that we have uh, also um, kind of gives you an idea. They're not graded necessarily where they are. Those are checklists with a little bit of an idea of kind of how we got them stacked. So lots of talent, lots of experience um, can make the difference, you know, maybe in this game, uh, in this season, than as opposed to the past. The Clemson game is huge. Of course, the Florida game is huge. But outside of Clemson game, and I think Georgia is the favorite by a pretty decent amount in some games and a fair amount in the others. I think they're favored in every game that they play. I think they're a little bit better than Clemson. We'll see. Um, and they probably can make the playoffs whether they win that game or not. Uh, but we'll see how this plays out. Um I do think the key is, and it's certainly beating Florida. You've got to do that because you've got to win the East and then getting over Alabama. And that's going to always be the, can you get that done? Can you do that? Who's going to be the first coach to beat? Um, Nick, I, look, I, I think, I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm not going to predict a game in the SEC championship when we don't know who's healthy, what's going on. But I think Georgia's chances, their team, this team, would have a pretty good chance of winning um, against Alabama this year right now. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. I may change on that. They got, after Clemson, UAB, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, all relatively easy games. Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky. Um, not easy, Kentucky, but those are wins. Florida, which is a likely win. Missouri, Tennessee, you know, wins, Charleston Southern, an easy win, Georgia Tech, an easy win. I win the first game, and I don't see Georgia getting upended this year uh, until they get to the championship game. Um, so, you know, it's 12-0. and 0, um, 
could they have issues and you know you you, you know lose it up Kentucky and lose it to Clemson lose to to uh, Florida I mean yeah anything's possible not not likely not likely at all Rich Colts asks, how important are mandatory minicamps, particularly for the rookies, second-year players, and third-year players in the NFL? As we'll get into some NFL talk now. Uh, look, they're really important. I mean, we wouldn't have them if they weren't important. Um, they're more important for some more than the others. Um, look, you can make the case, well, um, does Tom Brady need to be there? I mean... Everything he knows and what he's done, I mean, well, he thinks it's important to be there. He not only is there for that, he's there for the volunteers, he's there teaching, he's doing extra work in between. So he knows how important, the reason why great ones are great is they work at their game. Are they, how important are they? It, it's, it's no different than anything that you do in a discipline that you want to learn, um, if you don't work at it, you're not going to get better. Are there some guys that maybe physically it would behoove them to maybe rest a little bit, go through mental reps? Yeah, sure. You can point to situation. But first and second year players, well, think about it. It's critical for them. First round draft pick, Say, well, you draft him in the first round, he's got it made. Well, the reason why you draft somebody in the first round is because you like them so much, you think so much of them, that you're going to give them every opportunity to prove themselves. But their ability, the clock starts immediately. If you don't produce, if you don't begin to show the work ethic necessarily to produce, you making the second contract with that team or in the league, you know, I mean, it's possible and it's, I would say probable because of a high pick, but you better know what you're doing and you better work at it because your ability to perform is critical. It's critical. And we see it all the time with late round picks, undrafted free agents make it and have more success than hired drafted guy. Why is that? Well, A lot of it is a guy is drafted on ability, but he doesn't work, and he doesn't get better, and he doesn't improve. So if you have the ability, but you don't perform it, you don't execute it, it's, it's the same thing as not having it. So the less you're around it, the worse it is. Meaning, the more guys you have missing, the tougher it is. Well, how many of those guys or in the early stages where it's a critical aspect to them being there. Well, some are more affected than others. Veteran team, a few guys that may affect the player's ability to contribute or make the team, but it may not affect the team as much overall if it's more veteran-laden. If you're a team that's relying on a lot of younger guys, it's even that much more important. It is certain positions more critical. It's called it like it is. A defensive lineman's got less to learn and less to know than a Mike backer, than a safety. A running back's got less to know than a running than a quarterback. So understanding that 
it's even more critical for some positions than the others. Really important. Um, it's just just uh, how it is. So it's really to me. Look, as a coach, everything that you teach, everything you learn, is important. It's a building blocks. It's steps to an ultimate process. Any gaps, any voids in that hurt you. I mean, it, it hurts you. Now, it does it? And people just look at the results. And, ah, they still won this many games, and it, it, so that the practice doesn't matter. That's not. That's looking at the result and trying to change the things that took place to fit your narrative. Everything is about a process, and so I think it's. I think it's huge. I think it's really important, particularly for the guys that you mentioned. Tony, good morning, Tony. Tony um, says, got a couple questions. Uh, if Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit are healthy, are they penciled in as starters? Uh, yes, I do think, I I expect them to be. I think that they're starting caliber players, and if they're healthy and they're not starting, that's a good sign because those are two players that, you know, may be beaten out assignment-wise, but you got two guys that can factor into the mix. And certainly in their, their nickel set, in their five defensive back set, they absolutely are. Um, also, if you were defensive coordinator for Browns, what would your game plan be against the Chiefs offense? Well, first of all, and this is, let's start with offense. I think the one thing that you got to do, the, the Chiefs offense is so explosive. We're going to get to your question. But remember that beating a team and slowing down the offense is, is one thing. But one way that you can slow down the offense is limit the possessions, right? Keep playing, keep away from the Chiefs is not enough, though. You've got to play keep away and score points. So you've got to keep their defense on the field and wear down their defense. And I think you can do that with the running game. I think patience. You can't have turnovers. If you give the Chiefs extra possessions, it's just like giving a great shooting team in basketball extra shots. They're going to miss some. They're going to make enough of them to beat you. Don't give them any extra possessions. So let's start the answer with the offense. Being balanced, not turning it over, and punctuating it with seven. That's how you do it. On defense, I think what you have to do against any offense like that, a lot of it is you got to break the rhythm with receivers off the line of scrimmage. And while that works against most, it's not as successful against Kansas City. Why? Because the quarterback is the best with play extensions. So it's very, very difficult. You know, you want to cut the head off the snake. Well, in a pocket quarterback's offense, you break it off by taking away his options because that guy is dumping it off to the open guy. You've got to make sure that you take guys off the line of scrimmage and you bring good interior pocket pressure along with taking guys off the line of scrimmage. If you do that against the Chiefs and Mahomes, he rolls out. You can only press those guys. Eventually, they'll get out on routes because their offense is not as much timing-based. So, how do you deal with it? You've got to disrupt the quarterback. 
the best way is to mush rush from the outside where you alleviate his chances to get outside. Because his fuel is when he gets outside and now he can create. You close the outside, okay, and you prevent the escape lanes, then all of a sudden it's difficult. Then then what you can do, you limit what he's going to do with the ball. He's got to step up in the pocket. He doesn't see it quite as well. That's what I did. That's the formula. The formula is one thing. Got to execute it. So, do the Browns have enough pass rush? Can they get enough push up the middle? Can they disrupt them enough? Don't know. I, I honestly think that for it to happen, they're going to have to catch Kansas City in an off day, some issues. The Bucks beat them. The Bucks beat them with a depleted offensive line of the Chiefs. Don't want to take anything away from the Bucks. It's the reality. If you can catch them where they they can't protect well enough, um, the quarterback doesn't have time, then you got issues. You saw that in the Super Bowl. Now, can you rush them as effectively when they're completely healthy in the offensive line? The Chiefs have retooled their offensive line, and it looks really good. Let's see if they can stay healthy. I, I think it's going to be very difficult for the Browns to do it. Um, they may be one of the best candidates to beat Kansas City. But, you know, the the question of if both are healthy and both are doing what they do, I mean, Kansas City wins that game, you know, eight times out of ten. But can you get them in that situation like the Bucks got them? Uh, you, know, you saw what Cleveland did in the playoffs last year. Had some success, okay, you know. Not saying that it's a blowout game. It's just can you stop them enough to get them off the field enough to where you can win? Yeah, they can. It's just difficult. It's just more difficult to do. But that's how you have to do it. That's how you execute it. Uh, Rich Goat says, "What your assessment of Larry Carey's uh, as a coach?" Well, Larry's a um, long time at Mount Union, a legend. Um, that's a whole different level of what you're able to do with um, non-scholarship players, developing guys. Now, what they have done, and it's a chicken-egg thing. When you build a program and you have facilities and you have things that you build towards, it's you recruit differently. You come there because it's a well-known place and you're successful. Well, do they come... And do they have good facilities because they've had success? Or do they have success because of the facilities? It's a little bit of both. And sometimes it's blurred as to what came first, the chicken or the egg. They do it as well as anybody at that level. Well, they do it better than everybody. There are others that do it well. I'm talking in terms of their emphasis and what they do. They put emphasis in it. It's important to them. Um, the financial commitment's completely different than major college football, of course, but apples to apples, um, they do it really well. He's a great coach. He's had good staff. He's had consistency there. Uh, They develop players very well. They have a good system. The consistency of having stability of the coaching staff allowed them to 
to, they, they don't run everything the same the way they always did it for 10, 15 years, but there's a consistency there to where they've done, they've kind of done it like Nebraska used to do it at the major level. And they had coaches there and they ran the same system for years. So it became really something that guys just got ingrained to. They taught it the same way. They learned it the same way and it repped it the same way. And you just got better and better and better. And it's not the constant change. That's what they do at their level. So really good question here. A couple of other questions that were sent in here. Um, about UCLA's progress under Chip Kelly. Says a lot was made up. Chip Kelly's hire. He was going to do what he did at Oregon. Uh, well, yeah, a lot of people thought that. It's a different situation. Um, Oregon puts tremendous emphasis on their football program. They've spent a lot of money. It's not as easy to spend that money at UCLA. Uh, they have done things with their nutrition center. You've heard me explain here before that up until recently, UCLA has had no nutrition center in their history. Things that were commonplace everywhere. It's not that way at UCLA. Um, it's, um, it's not the same. There's certainly been success at UCLA. Terry Donahue did a good job and had good, did a good job at USC, uh, against USC. But usually, in, in times with head-to-head -head with Coach Robinson, and look, I mean, UCLA had real uh, top 10, top 15 programs year in and year out. And that's what UCLA could be, should be. It's not going to be what it like it was at Oregon. Oregon has put greater emphasis on it because at Oregon, what they've done is they've built a city on campus, the university, that is. Everything's there. You go there, it's, it's athletic-based. It's a lot of focused on football. And... Quite frankly, unless you're from there, you're, you're going to Eugene, Oregon to play football and to be in that football environment. You're not going there just because, you know, just because. You're going there for that. And it attracts some players out, out west and otherwise that, that maybe they didn't attract at Oregon back, like, say, when late 70s, uh, 80s, Terry Donahue was there. There's a lot going on in L.A. There's a lot of things to do. There's not a lot of emphasis. Um, we know what Chip, Chip has done as a coach. But because you have a philosophy, because you have a plan, doesn't mean that you can take that plan and go somewhere else and replicate it. This is a perfect example. Look at what Chip did at Oregon. Is he doing things differently now? Chip's the same guy. Now, there's certain things that he looks at schematically, but doing the same, it's the same plan that he had at Oregon. It's not working the same at UCLA because UCLA, the, the, I call it bureaucracy, okay? The, Layers of what you have to go through to get certain things accomplished at one place is different than the other. I get asked this all the time. Well, why can't somebody that worked for Nick Saban go somewhere else and have the same success? 
Very simply. Because even though you've got the plan, A to Z, one to whatever, the Alabama model, every step of the way, step by step, you know what you don't have? No, you don't have Nick Saban. That's the first thing you'll say. But let me tell you what you also don't have. Nick Saban has earned. There are no layers at Alabama. When Nick Saban says we need this, it is done. It's a directive, not a question. We put it into a committee and we'll get back to you in two weeks. It is done. It is, okay, this needs to get, this needs to get built. Okay, how long can it get done? Can we get it done in eight months? Um, you know, whether coach might not, it's a start. Boom, done. It, it, it's, there's no, well, we got to go through this and that. That is difficult, particularly in the state university. He's got that type of power. So what he wants gets done. I, I want to add, this is done like immediately. I'm going to add, uh, look, I want to go and work on a project because I've been around him when we've done this. He wants to work on a certain project football-wise, and he wants to add six more analysts. He'll sit there, he'll figure it out, and he'll figure out who would be best to hire to do that. It may be somebody that's making money from another school, and he can get them cheaper. It may be somebody that, okay, he needs to find the, the, the younger guy that can be the grunt and maybe pay that guy more than he's making. And he has seven guys, six guys, that he's going to add for work on this project for two years. Done. He doesn't even... He, he gets that done, and he's on his way working. Hey, give me some names. Here's what I'm looking for. And he has the description written up, and you go and get it done. If you're at other places, even if you have that plan, you don't go to other places, and they don't snap. They don't jump when you say, they don't say how high when you say jump. So it's hard to implement certain things. You got the plan but you can't implement it. Or it takes a longer time to implement. Well, you never quite get to it. He's in a unique situation. He doesn't have to... I mean, look, he can't do anything illegal. I mean, I'm not saying that, but it's a completely different environment. Well, he's earned that. So there again, can he do that because he's won? You betcha. No one's going to say, well, you know, I, I'm sure there are things that maybe he wanted that just weren't fit, that were physically impossible to do. Um, you know, but for the most part, boom, it's what he needs. It's done. Others can't do that. Well, this is an example of the same guy. Chip Kelly, Oregon. Chip Kelly, UCLA. Not the same guy. Had success. Did think, well, he was able to do things at Oregon. They had more money. Things done. Want to get UCLA. It's a... Very political school, takes a lot to go through. They support 32 sports. Uh, they have no place on their beautiful campus, by the way, to put anything. They got, you know, it's not the same. Look at the recruiting. Is it that? Is it something else? Don't know. They're not recruiting at a level that's going to allow UCLA to be great. They could be good. He could get them good. He can coach them up. I think they can be top 20-ish. Talent-wise, they're a top 30 team. 
They're not a top 15 team. If he coaches them up to that and the schedule works right, maybe, you know, they, they're getting three stars. They're living on three stars. Now, in the Pac-12, who's really getting it done outside of Oregon, recruiting-wise? USC starting to. Now, can Clay get the coaching more consistent? We'll see. Arizona State's done a nice job of, of, of getting what their capabilities are. And I think they have a lot of capabilities at Arizona State. But, you know, the really good coaching jobs are, you know, I mean, what they've done at Utah, what Kyle's done at Utah, that's maximized. That's the developmental program in the Pac-12. Washington has ability. We'll see if Jimmy, Jimmy can recruit in a higher level. I thought Chris and Jimmy and his staff, they, they do a good job coaching, but they're not getting the they're not getting the, the same caliber player that Oregon's getting. Cal's well coached. Oregon State's well coached. They're not getting elite talent. To be honest with you, UCLA looks more like Cal and Oregon State in terms of personnel. They're better. They're a, they're a cut better in certain spots. They're not that much better. So, you know, Stanford. We know that Stanford's had a little tough run of it, but who's done a better job in recent years than that. Um, so there's room in the South to get better, to get USC good, no. But USC's not getting it done. If if USC was um, what USC should be, with a, you know better coaching either with Clay or somebody else, then you'd be talking about USC the same way you're talking about, say, Oklahoma in the Big 12. Because I think that there's there's some comparables there. Um, I, think, I think Carl did a good job of Colorado's first year. We'll see where it goes. But, yeah, no, it is absolutely not been. Um, I want to get into I'm, I'm not going to have a lot of time. We'll get into it a little bit more. But a question about can you run through the NFL teams and go over their – their offensive schemes and what they try to do. Uh, yes, I can. Um, let me try to get to that over time. Um, we'll talk a little bit. We'll just go alphabetically. Um, say Arizona. Um, they run a lot of fast tempo spread. Um, they don't re- move their receivers to different positions as a result. So they get all five eligible guys on routes. Then they throw a hit rock mostly. Um they don't run a lot of the air raid stuff that people think. Oh, they're running the air raid in the NFL. They don't run the air raid. It's all hitch route stuff. Um, now, what they do is they can run the football pretty effectively uh, by creating big running lanes. So that's a big part of of what they do. Um, the Falcons are different. Um, Arthur Smith is coming in. Think Kyle Shanahan um, style. Outside zone, play action, um, uh, you know, they will run the downhill run a lot like the Titans do. Jump cut is a big factor of what they try to do. Um, You know, the tight end in this system's not really required to be a great blocker. Um, Those are some... um, 
some concepts of what they do. Baltimore um, is is more unique than any other offense. Um, this is a form of an option. It's an RPO-ish offense. It's built around Lamar Jackson. Um, they've led the league in quarterback design runs or option runs. They've called like, like about 185, 190. In um, Arizona has two. Those are two. And, and I think they're similar. These offenses are a little similar. But they got more run snaps with a pistol look. Um, they don't run spread concepts like the Cardinals do like we see in college, they do the option stuff with heavy personnel. A lot of um, 21 personnel, 22 personnel. Um, So they're trying to pack the defenses in to create space for Lamar on the outside. That's what they do. Um, And Buffalo, and I'm going alphabetically. We'll go a little bit further. Um, Brian Dayball, uh, in his offense with the Bills, it is really tailored to fit what Josh Allen does, and vice versa. And that's why the offense has taken off. It ranked 30th in per play um, and they ran they ran and got it a lot better this last year. They've done away with all their route, um, their middle of the field and rely on deep crossing routes. So that allows receivers to run away from coverage on longer developing routes. Now they're doing it better from a protection standpoint. That's fine to have conceptually. you got to be able to protect, right? So Bills use a lot of 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end. But the key is they use their tight end as a pseudo fullback, as an H-back type of guy. So um, it's they run essentially two-back with the tight end being the H-back, fullback type guy. Uh, the Patriots do a lot of that. The Vikings do a lot of that. The Niners do a lot of that. The aforementioned Ravens do a lot of that. So they've really developed a lot of that deeper crossing concept to their offense. Carolina, Joe Brady. Um, what Joe Brady did at Carolina last year is install a few things, but do them very well. Um they adapted the offense, kind of going back to his Saints roots more than what the LSU stuff. They're ranked 20th in shotgun, um, as opposed to all the shotgun stuff with Joe Burrow. Um, they were like 20th and 11 personnel, even though that's what they did um, at LSU. They he stopped calling a lot of trip formation. So what he does is adapt. Remember what I say. You don't ever hire a coach for his system. Because when people catch up to the system, if that's all he knows is his system, then you're going to have a pretty low ceiling. You need to hire a guy that can evolve and create systems. Um, I don't want to take a shot, shots at folks, but, you know, like a Gus Malzahn type of guy. You get his system. That system will get you to a certain level. The personnel he has to run it will get you to a certain level. But without the ability to adjust the system, you're, you're kind of limited there. Um, Chicago. I think what they're going to do is uh, 
a lot with Justin Fields. And again, I think they'll start with Dalton. We'll see how that goes. Uh, and so this is a little bit difficult one. It's it's anticipating. It's not what they do, what they have done, but what they're going to do. But, um, they were a heavy RPO inside zone team in 2019, but they moved to an outside zone based system. They've got the, the horizontal, the stretch play, which is made famous by the Colts in the Manning era and Edron James era. That that was about 25 percent of their rushing offense in 2019, uh, but about 48% last year. Uh, so the RPO rate fell quite a bit. The shotgun rate dropped quite a bit, about 10 12% for them to try to stretch out teams with the outside zone play. You don't want to run the outside zone on a shotgun. Um, they try to run uh, and stretch teams out and then run the outside zone play and then run boot off of it. I think that suits Justin Fields pretty well. I think that's what they got their plan. I think that's what they did with uh, with the idea of, of uh, running the football with them. A uh, couple of questions. We'll we'll stop there. Um, we'll get into you know we'll, we got we got through to the uh, well, let's see if we can get do we have time to go through let's go let's go through the Bengals we get through the C's here. Um, I'll go through. Let's see we got. I mentioned Chicago. Who do we? Oh, Cincinnati, Cleveland. So we just got two. Um, Cincinnati. They didn't adjust their offense with Joe Burrow. This was already a shotgun-based eleven personnel, one back, one tight end team. So a lot of two receiver sets on each side of the formation. That's what it was in um, nineteen, and that's what it was in twenty twenty. Uh, they were a little bit better because Burrow was better. When he went down with a knee injury, the offense ranked. 22nd in um, uh, average uh, efficiency per play, um, which jumped up quite a bit. They um, they ranked a little bit higher than that when Joe Burrow was in there. They were ranked like 29th the year before in that same area. They see you can see a lot of three by one formations, um, and then certainly with Jamar Chase at the X receiver position, they're on a lot of gun, a lot of three by one sets, and then Cleveland. Stefanski took over the Browns' offense, and it was it. Um, you know, you came over from Minnesota, and they were ranked um, in terms of efficiency, one of the top twenty teams, and before you got there, and then went to the top ten. Uh, heavy outside zone that stretches the defenses horizontally. They put together a good running game. Uh, they finished thirteenth, you know, efficiency per rush. But it created big opportunities for play action. When you can run the football and you can run play action off of it, that's where the passing game really excelled. And they ranked, they moved up all the way to ninth into efficiency there. It's going to be interesting to see if they come with that blueprint, let uh, Baker Mayfield sling it a little bit more. I think you got to be careful with that. I think you still want to have your bread buttered with your run game and give Baker some simple reads and, and kind of get him – Give him some guardrails because the more freedom you give him, the more rope you give him, turnovers. You got a good defense. You got a good running game. Don't be turning it over. So they ran the football, the fourth highest rate in the league last year. They called play action seventh most in the NFL. Uh, and the passing grade without play action, without play action was 13th in the league. So um, he really needs that. So we'll leave it there. Um, we'll get into – what would it be? The D's like Dallas and Denver and Detroit. We'll, we'll get through the rest of the league going forward. Answer a couple questions on the way out of the door. Rich, what yours? Uh, Nola Jack. 
good morning. If you're a coach and you have a player you have graded orange, who you feel is underperforming relative to Billy, what do you tell him? Well, why is he grading orange, Nola? Is it scheme? Is it injuries? Grades are, are grades based on how they perform. But there are reasons behind it. Look, we played him out of position. Uh, we He graded poorly after the injury, and we probably, you know, could, shouldn't have played him here or there. So you have to figure out why he's grading that. He can't run well enough anymore. He's not strong. He's, whatever the situation is, you got to correct that. So if he's, maybe he's none of that, and maybe you put him in a situation where he's, the communication's not as good, so there's a lot of mistakes. Identify what has led to the orange grade. For, for those who don't know, um, and Nova Jack does, orange or backup grade. Play. It doesn't mean that they are a backup, and that's what they're going to be. That's how they grade it. So fix it. Injury, maybe he can't run anymore. Maybe the injuries are a problem and he's not going to get back. Maybe it is, so it's a rehab issue. Maybe it's a schematic issue. Maybe it's a simplification. Maybe it is not being sophisticated enough to where he's put in situations where it's a bad fit for him. Um, so you've got to look at the player and make that determination. And to your question, if a player is a good player like a Marcus Lattimore, do you extend him? Depends. What's the situation? If he's got some age on him, he's got some injuries? No. Shorter extension, perhaps. One-year extension, perhaps. Show it to me deal, perhaps. But if he's a declining player, an aging player, a player that's coming off an injury, no. Somebody that fits in the category of why, what's the situation? Look, we, we can fix this. Then I think you need to be cautious, but maybe you're more willing to extend them. But I think you want to see a little bit more and see that the vision going forward is the real key. And, and you're getting into the essence of scouting. What is he going to be? Not what he is right now. That is the ultimate key. Hey, folks, we appreciate you joining us. Is always in the chat room. All of you guys, thank you. Spread the word. We'll be back here. Join us here for more football talk, and we'll take your questions. We'll take your comments right here in the chat room. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you again next time. See you over at LandryFootball.com. All the breakdowns, all the analysis, all the grades, college, NFL, notebooks, all the details. We'll see you there. Take advantage of the scouting season offer. See a bunch of you guys join us late. Sorry you missed us. 9 a.m. Central Times when we get going. Appreciate all of you. We'll talk to you next time. If you missed some of the show, you can catch it in podcast form. You can go to LandryFootball.com, click on it, or sign up for Landry Football's conference call, and it'll get there for you. Appreciate you joining us. Talk to you next time, everyone. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.